Welcome to the It's All About Relationships podcast with Marty Folsom. This is our second episode in engaging the life of relationships with God, with others, and with ourselves. Today we're going to be attempting to discover some of the question of the subtitle of the first book, and that is Missing Love, which sounds almost like it could be a romance novel, but this is definitely not that. So... Missing love is to say there's something about when we are authentically human beings, being all that we might be, we are those who live in loving relationships where we're able to say things and know that it will be heard and accepted and loved, and we also have space for others to be who they are. So love isn't just a feeling you have on mushy summer nights. It's a way of really being connected to people. It goes through the good times, the bad times and really lives with a sense of embracing both the other as well as ourselves. So, the nature of missing love means that there's something about the presence of love that is the ultimate goal of what it is that I'm all about. Now, I'm not just talking about love for an individual, because I think love is never just about an individual. It's really something about connection. So love is a way of connecting with other people. So to think that I ever become a loving person by simply having a feeling inside of me or in my head or thinking loving thoughts is really to miss that all those things are directed to other people. So love is a way of being with other people. So words that we might use for missing love might include disconnection. I may be sitting to somebody who I like being with them, but I feel disconnected to them, so it feels like the love is gone. Loneliness is one of the great symptoms of our age of people missing love. They're lonely. There's a wish that there would be somebody who would want to be with us. And so loneliness is a symptom of missing love. Anxiety is that sense that I don't know if I'll ever have somebody who will love me. And so we feel a sense that there's something that's missing and our whole emotional system is yearning or crying out and can create a kind of anxiety. Fear, not in the fear of a car coming at you, but simply the fear of, I don't know that I'll ever really be accepted or loved. I, I'm afraid that people don't like me, or there's something about me that is not appealing to people. That is all about missing love. Simple apathy, to feel like, you know, I just don't feel anything. I don't feel like getting out of my chair. I don't feel like going outside is a symptom of missing love, because when, when there is that sense of connection, you can't wait to pick up the phone or see that person when love is really present. A kind of ironic one is narcissism, which is a kind of warped self-love, but it's a self-love that, it's a really needy kind of self-love that really isn't about giving or caring or connecting with the other, or even a basic respect for oneself. It's a needy kind of self-love that has to use other people or situations to feed something that's missing in us. Um, but it is clearly an example of missing love. Another somewhat ironic one is all the forms of prejudice we have. Because if we label people to judge them, we are missing love. We can't see them for the person they are. All we can do is see them as filling a category that somehow we judge them to make ourselves feel superior. And this is a tragic image of missing love, using the other to try and fill something that's missing, but it really in the end is not love. So in my life, 
the nature of how theology works is to say that God lives this interwoven life of Father, Son, and Spirit, and we're created as human beings, as male and female, as different aged people with cross-generational caring, that when it's all working well, we have people around us who are very different from us, but we have a sense that their difference doesn't distance them from us. In fact, the fact that they're different makes them interesting, and it makes them when it's working well, it makes them interested in us and how different we are. And there's a sense of wonder and delight, though, that we're different. So to say that to be together with difference is a picture of having love, then missing love is when we don't accept difference, or we can't be together, or we just see ourselves as a group of individuals each doing our own thing in the same space, but not really connecting. So in the life of love, again, there is a sense of vulnerability that allows other people to see inside of us and not merely the appearances that we put out. So if we feel like people are focused elsewhere, not paying attention to us, then missing love is exactly what we're going to feel. Now, one might think that starting with the world of psychology might be a better place than theology to think about these things. So to say psychology is really a, a study of the science of individuals with their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that doesn't focus the way that I would like to think about the nature of missing love. It really focuses on the individual and their own individual sense of their thoughts and feelings and behaviors. And I don't want to dismiss those things. It's just that I think love is really fulfilled when we discover what's missing with other people. So psychology is a reflective or subset of my experience within the broader sense of what finding love would look like. Philosophy, which is a study of knowing, is an important piece of this puzzle, but philosophy, again, tends to be in the thought world that lives inside one's head. It's a reflective science that thinks about what can be known and how do we know and all of those things that are in a pursuit of discovery, which is, again, really important. But you can see there it's the individual trying to know something that is not necessarily about the connectedness of really seeing that what is missing is we're, we really haven't learned what does it look like to really connect well with people. And the fact that so many people come for work on communication in marriage counseling means that communication is one of the pieces of that. But even communication has a plethora, thousands of different ways that we could connect and we just seem to not really be nurtured in having a vibrant garden of ways of doing that kind of connecting. Someone might think that sociology would really help us to get beyond missing love because it's a study of groups and people groups. But again, it tends to group people into categories in those groups and to study them objectively as an observer rather than really entering in. Though the best sociologists, and there are a few of them, recognize if you're going to understand these people, you literally have to get into the story of, of these people groups. Some of those people groups, though, don't want anybody in. And some of the ones who have the greatest need to break in, families that are really afraid, it's hard to break into those families, and so they're deeply missing love, but it's hard to bring in the sociological tools to say, wow, what are the dynamics of how these people function, and why is it so hard for them to get out of just looking good and to really enter into the place of vulnerability where what's missing in love can really be explored and discovered. Theology for me then is the science of understanding who God is as a creative God who creates us for relationships and understand that all of the nature of what is missing in love is really the story of the Bible 
about a God who's created us for relationships, but we have incredible ways of replacing relationships and running from relationships and breaking down relationships and using people instead of caring about them and all those other things. And so to say the nature of what is called narrative therapy, which means to enter into the story of people's lives, in some ways what the Bible provides, I think, for us, it provides a text that takes us deeply into context of people's life to really see life in action, to hear people's hearts, to see what they're committed to, to see what they're afraid of, and to recognize that there we start really delving into missing love, the whole nature of the story. So when we enter into the story, we start making space to hear the other. We start to look for what's meaningful to each person and to recognize that twins may not have the same kind of meaningfulness in how they think about life. And so to come full of questions is part of recognizing something might be missing. And like we need stethoscopes, we need good questions that can search and help to recognize what is missing in a world that just seems so fractured, so overwhelmed. For many people, it's chaotic just getting up in the morning, going through the day, and then being exhausted at the end of the night because there's just so much to fill the day that we don't even notice that we're missing love. So all of this is a little bit like taking off a set of glasses, the habituation of our life where we get so used to looking at the world in a particular way that until you take off your glasses and go, oh, I didn't see all that. Maybe it's putting on a different set of glasses that give you different colors that make something pop out that you hadn't seen before. So it is so easy to take for granted. And taking for granted is simply one form of missing love. When we are really present to someone in life, we see the person before us as somebody who may not be the same as yesterday. And so our attentiveness to a person is to recognize that if we don't stop and really listen, there can be a ton of words that are flowing at us, but it's only in really hearing what the person is experiencing in the present moment, their joys, their fears, what's missing, that we actually start to get past just kind of being an object for that person and really start to recognize the missing love that might be there. So part of the whole nature of what I like to think about in life is kaleidoscopes. So when I think about kaleidoscopes, I think about all of life's broken pieces. And you know what? Broken pieces aren't necessarily bad, but you could just think broken pieces. Oh, there's a pile of broken glass there. But you put that broken glass into a place where it can be con contained in a place. And if we think about it, that's my story. My story has got a bunch of broken glass in it. And if we shine light in that, which I, in my case, I think if we shine the light of God's love in it, meaning there's a God who loves us, who wants to show that all those broken pieces, when you look at them with light shining through them, you start to see all the, the wonder and mystery that's there, that becomes really interesting. And once you start moving those pieces around and you start seeing how all the broken pieces of the story interact with one another and that there are patterns that are there, and you can see that though there's brokenness, there's also healing and there's people who show up in our brokenness. And all those things start to bring up beauty that you couldn't see before. And you start to see that the movement of people who are in our life and when something was taken away, something else started to show up. That all of those things become kaleidoscopic in our life. So it takes us from just noticing what's missing 
to start seeing that with a new light or with new glasses, we start seeing that there's presence and there's connection and there's ponderings of things we haven't seen before because we just take the time to focus where we weren't really paying attention before. And in many senses, missing love is just not paying attention. Finding love is just paying attention. Showing up, really listening, and beginning to find the space to grow with another person. So all of this would say that there's something about the nature of what it means to be relationally healthy that means we have to know that something's missing or we'll just think, well, this is normal. Everybody I know is kind of where I am and normal is not necessarily healthy. So my wife was a dentist and dentists, of course, deal with oral health. And they serve people by cleaning things out and filling holes and finding the ways that the mouth isn't working. So we tend to use personal health or personal hygiene kind of for you know, how your body smells and things like that. And so we take baths and like that. So if we use the word relational health is to find out what's missing in my relationships and what would it look like to have a healed relationship with the people who I've just rejected and to not recognize all of the implications that are there. What does it mean to clean up the messes in my life that are still functioning in me where I'm afraid of certain people or I have anger at certain people. Um, all of these things could be about what relational health looks like. So the question of the book that I'm looking at in Missing Love is to recognize there are all kinds of things that are missing in our life and we find all kinds of ways to cover it over. Most of those, those I call some form of addiction. So all of our addictions, whether it's to drug and alcohol or whether it's to workaholism or exercise, there's all kinds of ways we just don't pay attention to what's missing in our relationships and what's missing from the love that is there and to recognize just how much we avoid it with these other things. So again, the nature of this book is to deal with a question that I find most people want to understand, you know, if there is a God in the world, why is there evil? But for me, the really big question is, why is love so absent from so many people's lives? And it's almost like we've gotten into an era where people just don't care anymore. They think love is just something that people used to have and we write songs about, but it's almost like it's become a not real thing. And I just want to suggest that the nature of really understanding what healthy love looks like is that it really creates the space for us to really grow as personal beings. I think that we have grown into a world without even knowing it that has largely become impersonal. And what I mean by impersonal is that we just see somebody as an object. So you see people driving a car by you or walking down the street. And though you know they're a human, they are not somebody who you're connected to. And before you know it, it's the people who are sitting next to you in class or it's the people who are sitting next to you even in church, or maybe even around the family table. They're just there, and for whatever reason, we just don't open up to one another. And when that happens, I call that an impersonal relationship with humans. So to really discover the person and personal relationships, we have to recognize that the dimension of what it means to love and create space for the other, and for them to love us back, needs to be there in order for that which has been missing to find fulfillment. 
So I think that we just have huge and vast problems. We could say that there's a plague or a crisis in our era of really understanding the nature of what it means to be persons and personal relationships. And for most people, and I certainly know that of men, that they, it's somewhere at 80 to 90% of men um, are dealing with a crisis of loneliness. That means they're missing love. And it's in their families, the relationships they have with other males are largely around sports or um, some form of impersonal activity. And yeah, they're friends, but to really say they understand love is certainly missing. So we need to learn tools for relating, tools to fill in what is missing and what goes on, not merely between us, but in an inter interactive way for our relating to fulfill something that really is love. And sometimes it's in manly kind of ways, but it really goes beyond just seeing the other as a piece of furniture who I happen to fish with or watch a football game with or something like that. So there is a whole era behind us that older generations can hardly even recognize has largely diminished, and that was the age of rules and roles. Men were men, and boys were boys, and wives were wives, and women were women. And we know that all these battles are going on, and so to talk about the rights of females, and there's discussions going on about the loss of the rights for males, um, all of those conversations are going on because all of the old ways of living with rules and roles are really breaking down. And we're starting to see that we need to be persons, but we aren't having a lot of people who are really getting at a broad conversation for what it means to really learn to enter the age of relating. So if a wife no longer is assumed to fulfill a set of rules, but is now a person who works with some other person, and it may be a husband, it may be other family members, to say, how do we work together to provide a space for each other to be healthy and whole and to do what we need to, to make sure that if there are kids, that they are known and loved and safe, that they have space to grow, then that whole thing of relating becomes the conversation instead of, well, you're the husband or you're the wife, you know what you should do, everybody knows that, and it's like, there are still, I think, vast numbers, particularly of older generations, who think that way, and there are vast youngers of numbers of younger generations who never knew what that looked like, even though they see it in the movies and go, wow, that looks crazy. And so you have generational breakdown, you have gender breakdowns, you have people with all kinds of parts of their identity that they can only see it from that one perspective until we begin to recognize that relating requires an investment in first recognizing what's missing and then the ability to recognize that it takes tools and energy and two, at least two people to begin to lay the foundation for addressing the problem of missing love. So the nature of this book, Face to Face, is about relationships and the first one, theologically you could call it a doctrine of sin. But sin isn't just being bad people, it's really just about missing one another. It's about missing what it looks like to really engage in the life of love. And so I'm excited about that journey of discovering that. So I want to thank you again for tuning in to the It's All About Relationship podcast with Marty Folsom. 
And I'd like you to check out what's going on over at drmartyfolsom.com. Check out my books there and see the other kinds of opportunities that are available in discovering the life of relationships, what's missing, and even more, what is possibly coming. Thanks for tuning in.